Yes, we haunted. Obviously. This is, we're not um, going to use any of this. I'm drinking a lot of beer. And well, now um, I'm gonna use it. <laughs> and we just ate some delicious food. Oh my god, so it was so good, so delicious. Um, ghosts would want to show up to eat that food. You know what is sad is that we were probably surrounded by ghosts who couldn't eat it. I know. Oh no, it's like in Harry Potter. <gasps> <sighs> so sad. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Well, let's do it anyway. Okay. okay. <laughs> Okay. I mean, how does one really get ready for these things? Drinking beer, beer, more, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. There's a bell curve. I think I should be ready now. Hello and welcome to Obviously Haunted. Okay. Are you introducing me? Straight up. Oh, I will. Yeah. I will in a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, this is our second time recording this episode because the first time I made a mistake. So I don't know what's going to happen this time because we, everybody already knows this story. It's a little bit different from normal where I'm like surprising people with my vast knowledge of ghosty woasties. But this time around, we're going to try and tell you a creepy story and it's going to be a creepy story about the town of Fairhaven, Massachusetts. And I am telling this story to my guest host today, Sebastian. Hi. Hi. Thank you for doing this again. Yes. Um, After. It was so good the first time. If you have any criticisms of this show, it's definitely because this is the second time. The first time was amazing. (laughs) And if you had heard the first version, you would have been totally blown away. But we're doing the best we can. Technical difficulties. We're doing the best we can. Yes. Um, But yeah, the first one was. So just remember... The episode you didn't get to hear. That one was clever. Perfection. Oh my gosh. Just my banter was yeah, spot on. Totally. I can't. Yeah. Um, so I can't. I'm too drunk to remember how I open these. We're gonna be talking about fair. Can we just say this is a beer and a half. This is a beer and a half. Listen, I'm almost through two beers. Oh, almost two beers. Shut up. I'm just you know, I just want I, I want the audience to know that you're not like a total lush. You haven't pounded a six pack. You're just a lightweight. And that's a that's good better. Thing. Yeah, that's totally better. <laughs> I think that's better. Oh, I'm cutting all this out. Okay, so um, we're gonna say I, don't, I think I'm gonna rearrange how this. Is. We're gonna say um, we're gonna introduce ourselves. So okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm Becky your Sebastian, and Fairhaven is it's obviously haunted. Oh, just like that, but we have to do it in a second. Okay, okay. I'm Becky. I'm Sebastian. And Fairhaven Haven is obviously haunted. So good. Okay. We have been going through some rebranding and what used to be me telling the beautiful Allison stories about the Northeast and talking about New, New England being haunted is now me telling all of my beautiful friends creepy stories about places that they are connected to somehow and is now obviously haunted because man america is obviously haunted and your hometown is probably obviously probably haunted haunted, yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um and today we're talking about fairhaven massachusetts um what what's your connection to fairhaven 
So my mom was from Fairhaven, Massachusetts. She moved um, to Texas when I was, no, when she was 12. And so I grew up in Texas, but I would go back to Fairhaven to visit when I was a kid. Um, Most of her friends still lived there. We still had a lot of family up in New England. Uh, And as a kid, I felt like... um, I felt like there had been some really big mix up in fate. Like God had put me, God had like made me born in the wrong town and I was not <laughs> supposed to be from Texas. I was supposed to have been born in Fairhaven. So I felt this affinity, like this was my true, like, you know, the place that I belonged. Um, and so we would go visit when I was a kid. It was a really beautiful, uh, coast town, you know, um, Harbor town, I guess. And my mom would tell me stories about when she was a kid. She she lived really close to the harbor, and so she would fall asleep hearing the the sounds of the ships coming in, the the horns of the ships. I don't know how you call them horns. Foghorns. Foghorns, yeah. Um, and it just seemed like wildly romantic to me and really great and better than Texas in so many ways. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> being born and raised in Texas myself, mm-hmm. um, you always think places are better than Texas. Because they are, but... But then you do find out. So when I was a teenager, when I was like 18, I went to visit friends in Vermont from college for the first time. And I was like, oh, Vermont. Vermont's like the really cool, liberal, like, you know, different, really different from Texas. And then should I say, should I like out out the name of the place? There's like a redneck town in Vermont. Barry. Barry, Vermont. Barry, Vermont is the name of this place that we went to, which is near uh, Montpelier. And I remember the first time going there, people had this ridiculous accent, which I can't really do, but it was similar in a lot of ways to the accents that I grew up with in Texas. And I was like, oh my God, it's everywhere. You know? <laughs> Just, I sound like an asshole. Oh, oh. But you know, it was, it was actually charming in a way. Like it, it also felt familiar and familial and I was like oh like I have people everywhere you know <laughs> oh, it's true there's nowhere like wherever you're from you think everywhere else is is better but there's really nowhere that's better it's it. the same people are everywhere and the same but Fairhaven as a kid didn't feel that way because all of my mom's friends had really giant houses by the harbor and it, so it that so that was my only exposure as a kid was this kind of like really enchanted magical part of the town fancy yeah people. so you know in my mind like that would have been my life if I had been born there um I would have been born in these giant houses with the widow's walks around the top and you know all of the romance and all of that and and that's something you wanted was to be standing on the widow's walk and staring out to sea and <laughs> definitely oh i was a total romantic as a child you know i was i was reading like did you ever read did you read louise may alcott i mean i read little women okay but did you read the dark louise may alcott no yeah so so you know in little women Joe writes these sort of trashy stories on the side, right? So, so Lisa May Alcott actually did that also. Yeah. And she writes these, what was one called? Like a long fatal love chase or something. I can't remember the name of it, but they're like spooky and dark and like kind of a little bit like Wuthering Heights style, you know? Um, so yeah, I was super into that stuff. And um, yeah, definitely had that dark romanticism going on. Gothic romance. Mm-hmm, totally throw yourself into the harbor mm-hmm. um Fairhaven Massachusetts I'm gonna tell you a little bit of history I don't have a lot I didn't do any 
it's been a week since we did the first one. I didn't do any additional research um, because why would I do that? So uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little bit of the history of the town and then I'm going to tell you the ghost story. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the haunting and what happens. And then we're going to talk about why it might not be real and or why it might be real. And, uh, and then we're yeah. going to give it a grade. Okay. And it's... I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to be creeped out. Are you? Yeah. You think you're going to be creeped out the second time around? <laughs> do you remember the story? V- yeah, I mean, I do. But as I said, I have a memory of a goldfish, so I'm ready to be creeped out again. This, and you know what? The more often you hear something, even if it's totally outlandish, you believe it. Do you know this? So maybe you will believe it a little So this more. time I'll probably be like, oh my God, yeah, that's totally happened. <laughs> Whereas the first time I was like, yeah, maybe that happened. And now I'm going to be like, you know, no, this feels really true. Oh, but really obviously. it's just that it feels familiar. Because it's obviously. obviously. Okay. Fairhaven, like you said, is an, it's an oceanside town in Massachusetts. It's kind of sleepy. It's not a big town. Mm. I feel like it's like outside of... Um, Boston, but isn't like everything outside of Boston? Yeah, I think it's like it's less than an hour away from Boston. So it was settled in 1659, so it's old, old as the hills, but it wasn't incorporated until 1812. So there was a lot of time in there of like people just doing whatever they wanted. What does it mean to be incorporated? Um, so being incorporated means like giving it a, a name. Um, a town like saying oh it's not part of this territory or it's not part of this county it's like its own thing and then creating a government and creating like um i'm pulling this like a mayor but this is all i'm okay. just guessing okay. i'm guessing okay. um please don't at me so <laughs> this is yeah so being incorporated just means like creating government creating city um like utilities and whatever and so they incorporated in 1812 and there are a bunch, because it's so old, there are a bunch of historical places. One of those, uh, is Fort Phoenix, which I did look up and I, I didn't find anything really haunted about Fort Phoenix. I, it was like one of the first naval battles of the American revolution took place just outside of Fort Phoenix. But from everything I read, like, they weren't involved in it or anything. They were just all, like, standing out, like, watching. Like, oh, the British and the Americans are fighting. And they were just, like, hanging out, drinking coffee because it's American. But what do you drink? Do they drink coffee in the 1600s? When did coffee happen? Coffee happened before the 1600s. In America? I don't know. I don't know either. They were drinking a beverage. Oh, probably beer. Probably they would, let's beer. say they were drinking beer. Yeah. And they were watching this go down. Yeah. And they weren't involved. No. Okay. So, kind of a claim to fame, but also kind of like a lame. <laughs> we <laughs> just, we watched this. We were the first row seats at this battle. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, other than that, I didn't find a whole lot of interesting stuff about the history uh, that didn't have to do with the ghost story. So, I'm just going to move straight in. Okay. Henry Huddleston Rogers was this, like, super rich dude who lived in Fairhaven. He ran the waterworks, where we think of, like, water as being a public utility and, like, the city runs it or whatever. He actually ran it as a private 
business and made a shitload of money on it. A lot of money. But uh, he was also a really well-known shit. What did he do? He gave money. Philanthropist. Philanthropist. <laughs> What's the difference between what do you call it when someone gives a lot of money away and then what do you call it when someone has a lot of affairs? Philanderer. He was a philanthropist. We don't know whether or not he was a philanderer. We don't have access to that information. I don't I don't think he was a philanderer. How would you possibly know? I mean I wouldn't know, he but wouldn't I don't know. But he was a philanthropist. But he was a philanthropist. Okay. He gave he gave his money to Cherry. Um okay, so Is he, it that you in your brain you can't reconcile that someone could be both a philanthropist and a philanderer? Not at all. It has, it has nothing to do with that. It has more to do with something that comes later in the story. Okay. And when it comes up, I will totally bring us back okay. to philandering. Okay. Um, okay, but no, he was... He may have been philandering, we don't know, but he was definitely philanthroping. Um, and unfortunately for Rogers, he, you know, he was rich, but he wasn't he wasn't invincible, and his 17-year-old daughter died of a heart condition. Her name was Millicent Gifford Rogers. Very young, too young, too young to lose, to lose a daughter. And because he was um, very rich and a giving person. And as a tribute to his daughter and who she was as a person, he decided he was going to build a, a library and name it for her, the Millicent Library, and that he was going to make it a bastion of culture. So yes, books and knowledge, but also beauty and art. And no expense was spared. He, he built something that was... Um, an act of like beauty in the architecture. He made relationships with other countries and got artifacts from other countries, including uh, gifts from the emperor of Japan. Like swords. Like swords. Were there yeah. swords? Yeah. There were swords, but there were other things too, I think. But he also funded the library and, and set up a trust with his water company. Are you gonna fall asleep? No, I'm This happened last time. I think I yawn when I'm nervous, but I don't actually feel nervous. I yawn when I'm observed. Animals do it too, you know. Should I not look at you? No, because that would be weird in a different way. <laughs> okay. You should just tolerate my occasional yawn. Yawn. Okay. Um, okay. So anyway, he. He makes this library, the Millicent Library, and makes it this beautiful piece of architecture filled with art and words, and he funds it through a trust uh, from his water company that he assumed would, you know, be the water company forever, which was not in fact the case, but we can talk about that later. But so at first, his his plan was to name this library for his daughter and to essentially fund it so it would never be um, closed to the public. He wanted it to be open to the public forever mm -hmm. and to have all of the resources that it needed to be this home of, of culture and words and beauty. Did, did Millicent like books? 
Sure. I mean, was it, did he do it for her because she was into that stuff or just because he was into that stuff and he thought it was like a good way to just like good thing to do? So I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Not really. I like to think that in my heart, I like to think that he's a good father and is doing it because of his daughter's Mm -hmm. interests. And he would have like maybe started a zoo if she'd been super into animals. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, in reality, is that how things work? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it could be that he just wanted to name something after her and the town was like, well, we need a library. Right. Yeah. Um, it could be that he was a terrible piece of garbage and the whole reason he built a library was to steal Japanese artifacts. And <gasps> I don't know that. I think that's probably not the case. Also, Rogers, if you're around as a ghost, like, I'm sorry. I'm not slandering your name. Okay. So... As the foundations are being laid for the Millicent Library, were you looking? Are you looking for him? Well, I was thinking, like, would he be in Prescott? And then I was thinking, do ghosts experience time and space in the way that humans do, human alive humans do? I tell you what, when I'm a ghost, I'm gonna be listening for people to say my name. But I mean, is it like, <laughs> is it is it like the same amount of loud if you're like, if you if spatially you're somewhere really far away it's like is that a thing for ghosts or are they just sort of diffused everywhere i guess it depends on what you believe but what i think personally you know that whole thing about like oh if someone's talking about you then your ears burn uh-huh like what if when you're a ghost you're just like really attuned to that so you no don't matter where ears, people are but like yeah you would know and then because you're a ghost and you know like lots of stuff because ghosts, obviously, like, when you die, you get to know lots of stuff, right? Yeah, you basically, you know, understand all the secrets of the universe. That's all right? I'm looking I mean, for that's you. all I'm looking for, yeah. Yeah, totally. okay. So, all the secrets of the universe, but that would mean that you would know when people were talking about you, and you would be like, there. Would you have to go there? Like, would you have to travel there, or would you just immediately be there? I feel like you're everywhere. Okay, all right. Everywhere, all the time. So, dude bro, what's his face? Dude bro. Dude bro, Rogers Henry. Henry Rogers. Listen. What? Can gonna, dude bros not be sensitive? No. Are you are you um, conjuring up toxic masculinity here? No, you are conjuring <laughs> up toxic masculinity by talking about dude bros. Dude bros can be sensitive. I'm saying that Rogers was a sensitive human okay. being who did not identify. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what about it. Okay, so anyway, as the foundations are being laid for the Millicent Library, that was a really long time. It was, time. yeah, that's true. You can decide what you're going to do with that one. <laughs> um... His family got together, his wife and his other children, his mother, and they got together and they decided to inter Millicent, so like bury her essentially, in the foundations of the library. So as they're being, the foundations are being laid, they they bury Millicent in the foundations under the, one of the cornerstones of the Millicent library. So her body is there. Allegedly. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Um, The library was dedicated. It was a Monday morning at 6 a.m. And the only people who showed up were the Rogers family and the one clergy person. Clergyman? Clergy person. I think at the time it was probably clergyman. Clergyman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And those are the only people that showed up. Were other people invited? This was six o'clock in the morning. If they wanted people to come, 
Would they have it at six o'clock in the morning? Why, why at six o'clock in the morning? This is Massachusetts. It's going to be dark. Well, I don't know what time of year it was. What it was, if it was it's like all, June? It's, no, it will still be dark at six o'clock in the morning. In June? Is six? I mean, it's like light it's here. Only, in it's, June, it's like light here at 4.30. Because we don't have daylight savings time. You don't have daylight savings time. Because <laughs> I live in Arizona. <laughs> yes, that is true. I feel like it doesn't actually get light at six o'clock anywhere besides like Sweden. Okay, I don't know. But here's my thinking about that is, and you know, appearances are everything, right? Yeah. I don't feel like a prominent family would risk like having a private service like mm-hmm. that, a private dedication service. So maybe the 6 a.m. thing is about being able to make it public. But essentially assure that no one's going to come. Sneaky. Yeah. It's like having a Oh my God. The sun actually rises at like 510 in Massachusetts in June. So maybe it was in June. That is crazy. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's the middle of the night, basically. (laughs) What I'm saying is it's like, it's kind of like having, like if you're going to have your wedding in Hawaii Mm -hmm. and you're like. Come and come. You're right, invited right, to my right, wedding, right, right. but it's gonna be like you have $4, to pay tons of dollars to like be here for the weekend. I think they are probably right. Yeah. So they had this dedication in the morning. They also had a dedication for this famous, beautiful stained glass window. Yes. Of Millicent. That's like a portrait of Millicent. Still there. Still there. Yeah. Beautiful piece of work. Um private ceremony for the dedication super early in the morning mm-hmm. just the family yeah so and you could say that maybe that's morning you know what i mean they were they had suffered a really horrible loss yeah and but i mean it probably took like a couple of years for this library to be built it did actually take a couple of years yeah. yeah it was the death and then two years later the library opens to the public so um so yeah but still i mean you still like that's that's not something you get over you know what i mean so I don't know. Maybe it was sure. just it was just like wanting to be alone with their their grief. Yeah. And I don't think that I don't think that anybody would necessarily approve of interring their daughter's remains in the library either. You know, it's not like oh, back in the day that was like maybe that was frowned upon. I feel like it would be frowned upon now. Well, sure, now. <laughs> If I die, yes. If I die, I want um, to be buried under. I want to be buried under a taco cabana, and I want it to be. Okay, the first. okay. Just so the audience knows, this is different than what you told me last time. I've my my desires. Okay, my desires have. All have right, changed. you probably need to get some sort of legal document to like seal the deal here. A taco cabana, any. Taco Cabana. No, 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 like a new one. I okay. want it to be the first one open in Arizona. There's no Taco Cabanas in Arizona? Are you kidding me? No. No. Yeah, I never thought about it. I never thought about it. It's like the only reason wow. I go home okay. ever because... Okay. And you know, like... <laughs> so basically, I have to start a franchise, a Taco Cabana franchise here if you die. And bury me underneath it. Okay. Um, specifically for breakfast tacos. And I won't haunt it for the rest of the... like. Lunch, dinner, 
Just but breakfast? Just breakfast. Okay. I'm there every fucking morning. You want to be so sad, though. You'll be there and you'll get to smell your favorite breakfast tacos and you won't be able to eat them. And just it will just be like. Them. It would it would be worth it. <laughs> okay, when I die, can I tell you? Yeah. You're going to think this is creepy. I'm not. I was just talking about this with someone today. Right. When I die, I want my friends to eat me. I do think it's creepy. I know, right? <laughs> No way. Yeah. So this is the thing. So apparently a lot of people who were, who were, um, uh, you know, called cannibals mm-hmm. were actually, they, pra- they practice this, they, like when someone in their community dies, they eat them. And it's this really beautiful, sweet ritual thing where they're like, someone in our community has died. And so we're going to take their physical being into our body, sort of like spiritual thing too. And then they will become us and they won't be lost. Do we have to eat all of you? Well, no. I mean, I think anything is fine, like a pinky or something. Because the thing is, it's it's not exactly legal in the United States. So you probably have to, like, on the sly, hack off a couple of fingers or something. Well, it has before. to be before you get before you get embalmed. Because if we do that after you get oh no 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 no, no. you can sauce. never ever ever embalm me. No. I would like to be buried in a green cemetery. Oh, those are so cool. Yeah. So no embalming. But still, you should do it pretty quickly just so it's fresh. So... so you don't want it to be, like, gross. And then you can make a soup. It'll be fine. Oh, uh, this yes. is a weird conversation. <laughs> okay. And very tangential. Listen. So whatever our final wishes okay. are, apparently Millicent's final wish was to be buried under a library, and she okay. got it. So okay. the haunt... The the whole thing was that once she was buried under the library, the haunting began immediately, like as soon as it was open to the public, people started to see her her ghost. So we're gonna transition a little bit and talk about the haunting. Okay. Um her ghost, Millicent's ghost, that is said to haunt the Millicent Library. Mm-hmm. The thing that people see that is Millicent, the ghost of Millicent, is Apparently, a young girl, it's hard to tell, but she's in a white nightgown or white gown of some kind. And as she walks through the halls, she's got kind of a blue halo of light around her. Mm. So people report seeing her a full body apparition, uh, but not intelligent. She doesn't interact with people. Um, But she's there. So you just like see her out of the corner of your eye or you like see her walking down the hall and turning the corner. And that's supposedly Millicent. There are other ghosts that are wandering the halls of the Millicent Library. And sort of the weird thing about it, I mean, like any big old building, like you have stories that go along with uh, the building, but there are a lot of different things. Like, for instance, there's another woman that people don't think is Millicent who's a woman in black who looks like she looks older than 17. And she has been seen walking through the stacks of the library, like touching books. So she'll walk along and like touch her fingers along the spines of the books. Do do people have any theory about who she is, where she came from? Not that I found. She just, she was like, she was just a person who died and she's like, I'm going to go to the library now and I'm going to live there and read all of the books. That yeah, that's, yes, yes. Apparently that's her plan. Okay. Which I completely get. Yeah. I get that. I know. But also, you know what I don't get? 
people always see like Victorian ghosts in these like fancy dresses and they're like, oh, I've seen like a woman in Victorian mm. dress with the high collar and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if you were a ghost, would you really hang out for eternity in like a corset and like a high collar and like all buttoned up and like constricted? No, I would be naked. <laughs> because at that point, who the fuck cares? You're dead. Definitely naked. I mean, unless you can't choose, unless you just appear in whatever you died in. But, you know, why would your clothes go with you? Really, why would your clothes go with you at all? Doesn't it make more sense that all ghosts would be naked? I mean, it kind of does. It, it kind of does. But it, it also, if you can appear as an apparition and you have control over that, which I'm not assuming that I know that, but if you have control over that, it would seem like you would appear in whatever made you comfortable. So if you're comfortable naked, great. Maybe some people are more comfortable in really stiff high collars. Is anybody more comfortable in a stiff yeah, high collar? Yeah, because they're prudes. I'm a prude. Not, you're not a Victorian prude. You're not a prude <laughs> who was living in the 1800s where that's like what you do. I'm where a showing a little prude. ankle is really scandalous, you know? I mean, I mean for, for real though, like, I would be like in jeans and sweatpants. Oh my God, sweatpants. sweatpants. Right? You're a ghost. And you're not, you don't have to get hot. So it's like, whatever. Or do you think there's a... There's some sort of a relationship between the viewer and the ghost. Like, does the viewer influence how the ghost appears? So if I see you as a ghost, you're definitely going to be clothed because I'm like, I'm like, I can't handle it. Something, right? I'll just have like a sheet over me or something really basic. Go throw something over her. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm like. Or you'll put me in a high collared because you are self-proclaimed prude, so you be like she needs to be wearing a lot of clothes. I want a bustle and a high collared exactly. Victorian. That's what I want. Yes. High boots, no ankle. No ankle. Not a single no. piece. Gloves. <laughs> the whole thing. So covering my neck and neck cover. Uh, a, a veil. A veil, That's yes. the whole thing. Really, I just okay. want you totally covered. All right. <laughs> anyway. If I were your therapist, I'm a psychologist. You know, you people don't know the bad. It's true. <laughs> Not that I'm analyzing you right now a lot, but maybe a little, a little bit. bit. Maybe a little Listen. bit. You know. All right. Where was I? So, um, there is also apparently a janitor who slipped and fell um, on a wet floor and knocked the crap out of himself and died. And people hear him walking around and dragging his mop when they're not in the room. Obviously. Obviously. There are also some, like, really creepy, like, rooms and things going on in the library that have nothing to do with Millicent or, like, the haunting story. Or the janitor. Um, for instance, there is a room that is dedicated to the Rogers family that has all of these portraits of of Rogers, Henry Rogers, and but also his wife and his sister and his mother-in-law. So apparently he was like a dude in a sea of estrogen, like yes. swimming in a sea of estrogen. And their family was very close. Like everyone in that family was close. And these portraits supposedly 
if you go into the room and you start having conversations in that room, their facial expressions will change depending on the conversation. Apparently their their facial expressions change in a variety, like in a, a scale of like mild disappointment to like full disgust. Ah, so, so they're never like approving of it. <laughs> it's always like different levels of disapproval. Yes. Were they like disapproving people? Do you have any idea what kind of people they were? I don't. I don't. But man, in my fantasy world, then yeah, they yeah. were like super controlling. Yeah, disapproving. And everyone, they, they, you go in there and they're like kids these days. Oh. People, the humans these days. Humans these days. They we're show so much like- neck. <laughs> totally, so totally inappropriate. So many ankles walking mm-hmm. around. So have people witnessed this, like, multiple people in the same space seeing the faces change? Um, you know, I, I don't know. There are multiple accounts of this happening, but I don't know that's like, like, if the two of us went into the room and had a conversation, if we would both see the same thing. It I think we need like, to go there. Probably. I think we need to take this show on the road. Um, it's, it's important to get firsthand experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, do you have the money for this trip? Well, <clears throat> but I do. I do have someone we could stay with. My mom's best friend still lives there, uh-huh. and we're in touch. I mean, that helps. So it does help. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Um, yes. Back, back to Fairhaven. So um, the last thing that is happening at Millicent Library that's like fucking creepy and weird mm-hmm. is that. The outside of this building was all covered in these beautiful carvings, stone carvings and all this stuff. A lot of, um, like, they're called grotesques. They're kind of like gargoyles, which we talked about last time. We did, yeah. Yeah. Um, But they're not gargoyles in that they don't have, like, a purpose. They're just carvings in the stone. Mm -hmm. And they are, like, they're meant to be, like, scary looking and they're... Uh, supposed to be interpretations of things that are um, sort of paranormal. So there's why, one, why did they do that back then? Why did they put scary things on buildings? I mean, I think it was religious. Like, I think it was the idea of like putting things that were not like that were almost storytelling. So mm-hmm. usually with something that was like frightening, like an image of a frightening deity or something like that, or like the devil or something, they would have a counterbalancing mm-hmm. image of an angel or whatever. So like in this case, you have an image that's supposed to be something like pan mm-hmm. and then the counterbalancing images are things like centaurs. And, um, I don't know if that's actually what it is, but it's, so you have like a grotesque and frightening image from ancient mythology. And then you also have like a beautiful image from ancient mythology and it shows sort of the, the balance of the universe. Okay. Um, but people, so even though this, this grotesque is not meant to be biblical and it's not meant to be the devil, mm-hmm. it's very devilish looking. So even though it's not meant to be the devil, it's like this sort of, uh, gaping mouth and it has horns and it has like hair places where it shouldn't be. Um, yes, just like that face that you just made at me that was really scary. Um, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> I was channeling. Woo, yeah, you were. So, scary. Um, and at some point, this part of the, of the outside of the library was damaged and they had to do some repairs. So they took this, this part of 
like this particular grotesque down and they were storing it for safekeeping inside the library. Well, as soon as they brought it into the library, bad stuff started to happen to the people that worked at the library. So like, um, I don't know any of the specifics, but think about like, you know, some little things, but like people like getting into accidents and like breaking limbs or like, um, losing money for some reason or like having problems at home where yeah. they're like pipes just burst. like generally bad luck but it was all happening to this one group of people at the same time exactly um and they started to get even librarians who weren't particularly superstitious or didn't particularly believe in the hauntings of the library started to feel very superstitious and they decided that they were going to put a, a Bible on top of this piece of stone. And so they put a like pocket-sized Bible on top of this stone grotesque, and the problem stopped. This just makes me wonder about, like, uh, oh, what do you call it? It's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy? You know, like, do people, did they think when the grotesque was moved indoors that it was like a bad omen and that bad things were going to start happening or did bad things start happening and they were like, wait, what is going on? What's different? Oh, this thing was moved in. And then why the Bible? Like, why was that the thing that they went to and, you know, did it really stop bad things from happening or? There are so many questions and not enough answers. But what I will say is something that's sort of interesting. In the articles that I was reading, a lot of the librarians, and we're going to talk about this during, like, in the debunked sort of section, but a lot of the librarians state that they've never had any kind of supernatural activity that they've witnessed. They They don't witness the changes of facial expressions in the portrait room. They've never seen full-bodied apparitions. They've never, like, heard anything creepy. They've opened and closed the library and never had any kind of experience. But those same librarians were there during this uh, process of the grotesque being taken down. And nobody has ever moved the Bible off Mm -hmm. of the grotesque. So it's still there. It's still, like, sitting on top. I don't know. It's interesting. Like it's, it's one thing to believe like you're seeing a ghost or something. It's another thing to want to look for an explanation for bad things that happen to us that we can't explain, Mm -hmm. you know? And if one person was like, Oh, I had this bad thing happen. Maybe it's that grotesque. Then everybody starts thinking about it and they're like, Oh yeah, that's why bad things happen to us. And we can do something about it and we can control it and we can put this Bible on top and then things are going to feel better. And it's sort of like, calms our existential anxiety at our powerlessness over conditions in the world and our life and stuff. I don't know. I'm, I just mean it's not, it's not unthinkable that people would be more open to an explanation for the things in their life that frighten them that they don't have any control over than like being open to just some random image that isn't related to their life or misfortunes or something that they wish they could control. So you think it's more natural for people to try and find like patterns like that and then try to find like a cause for a pattern of, of behavior or a pattern of like circumstances. Yeah. Especially if it's something that if it's a, if it's something that disturbs us existentially Mm -hmm. that we don't have control over, but we wish we did. 
I think then it makes sense that we try to find an explanation that we can have control over rather than just like shitty things happen to people and there's no rhyme or reason and we can't do anything about it. You know, people really like science, right? And so people who really like science want explanations and control for things. And then maybe also they're like, well, sometimes it's this other stuff. Sometimes it's, um, um, sometimes it's the grotesque that came in and then we can put this Bible on top of it and that's going to help us. We have control and we're not just at the mercy of the cruel universe. Right. Well, who knows? Um, I think I should get some pocket Bibles just to put on stuff, be, just to put on stuff, just to be it's, safe. You know, it's this cactus. why not? I this mean, yeah, <laughs> right. If I can just, if I can just start identifying anything in my life that I feel like is the source of my troubles and I can just put a Bible on top of it, then <laughs> I'll feel better. I, you know, it'll be fine. Oh, um, just a little bit of debunking other than um, like in addition to the fact that most of the librarians have not had experiences like the people that work there have not had experiences there um of the other apparitions right yeah right other than that apparently uh millicent rogers body is actually buried in a local cemetery and has a tombstone and had like a burial service and everything so the story of her being interred under the library is like 99.9 percent not true but why why is that more likely to be a falsehood than the fact that she's buried where her tombstone is one of them isn't true. Why is that one the one that's less likely to be true? Uh, because what would people think? I I don't know. I mean, I, because I assume that generally speaking, people take the more traditional route to things. So that's my assumption. And also the assumption of everybody who knows where the tombstone is. And <laughs> People are weird. You can't assume that they're going to take the more traditional route to things. People I, are so weird. I mean... I don't think it's ever been like... I think they need to do DNA samples. I oh think yeah. they need to... Yeah, I mean, the body? Well, yeah, to find out for sure. You know. Oh, when I win the lottery, the first thing I will do with my lottery winnings okay. is exhume the body of Millicent Rogers. Yeah. Because, oh, I remember, we talked about this last time, because it could have been a maid. It could have That's been just... someone else that they buried, because maybe they were getting some backlash for burying her in the library, and maybe people were already starting to experience ghosts, and they were like, "No, no, no, we no, we didn't really do that. Look, here's this this um, um, tombstone over here. This is where we buried her. Really, it's probably a cat. It's probably the skeleton of a cat." wild speculation yeah, you know also how does it like how are you gonna bury a cat and be like oh she just weighed so little when she died like they didn't why weigh even, people why would they weigh people no but like pallbearers like people carrying a casket are gonna know if there's a body in there just put some sandbags in there oh my god i can't i can't didn't people have like open open caskets back, back then? then no i don't think so because they didn't even really have embalming mm-hmm. until like well, in the 1800s, until after this, until well after the Civil War, it became like a widespread thing. The 1800s. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well it was. So maybe, maybe then, maybe then they did. I don't know. Uh, Open caskets? I mean, I did they have know. refrigeration? They had ice. <laughs> they did have ice. 
But it doesn't say that, right? Like, the story isn't people saw her dead body, they saw her go into the tomb, and also she was buried in the library. That's not the story. No, but why are you going to tell a story about, like, a random, like, totally normal burial? You're not to cover up the fact that they buried her in the library and then her ghost is haunting the place and causing disruption and they want to like she's this guy's beloved dead daughter he doesn't want people to think that she's like a, a havoc raising ghost but they don't think that they think she's a beautiful angel or even right. a ghost at all because that's satanic right oh if nothing it's else, bad. it's sad. It's bad. And so he would want to be like, no, no, my daughter is not a ghost. She was buried in a proper Christian funeral. And she is in heaven. Yes. And, and not in the heart. library. No, definitely not in the not library. Not in the library. Um, but I see, I mean, I you know, I'm not saying that there's a good case for that either. I'm just saying I think that we really, from the knowledge that we have, we really don't know. Okay. Well, whatever. Until we dig her up. Feel like she's probably buried in the cemetery. As far as like the janitor who died, apparently that legitimately happened, but I didn't find like super specific records. So, but apparently that legitimately happened. A guy died in the library, and people see his ghost. And people see his ghost. So maybe maybe that's a thing. Um, the grotesque, I feel like probably just superstition. So, do you think that Millicent? Could haunt the library even if she was buried in a tomb somewhere else? Oh, yeah. I'm going to haunt the fuck out of, like, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's named after her, right? Yeah. She could be like, okay, I was buried in this tomb, but obviously I'm going to hang out at the library where my name is. You know how how common a name Becky is? If, if, if the only, like, precursor to haunting a place is your name being attached to it. But her whole name was attached to it. Um, Wasn't it like no, three names? No, the Millicent, Millicent Library. Gilford, Henry, or whatever. No, no, no. It's just the Millicent Library. So it's just the one name. Could have been it's a different just Millicent. The first name. Yeah, it could be a different Millicent that's haunting it. It could be a totally different Millicent. It's a Millicent from like 1980. Yeah, totally, right? She's like, yeah. what? This is my nightgown. It's yeah. not Victorian. No. You can't see it, but I'm flipping my hair. Anyway, the point is, I think, personally, if you're a ghost, you could probably haunt whatever. We've brought this theory up in the past of the woman in white being, like, everywhere all at once. Because that's always the ghost, right? Is yeah. the woman in white. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the same chick. and She gets around. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I also wonder if it's, like, inside of people who are projecting that image onto the space it's an archetype basically this is way too deep all right whatever anyway you invite a psychologist onto your show anyway so um let's give it a grade okay if you were gonna give this a grade i'm not giving you a rubric but i'm just saying like in general like what did i give it last time i'm not gonna tell you that because i feel like last time i was feeling a little more confident and this time i'm a little more on the edge that's okay what grade would you give it i Give it a B. A B. So why a B? What what lost points? What gained points? Um, hmm. Well, I, I don't know from last time, but I think from this time, I'm just thinking, it sounds like there's, there's a lot of different creepy stories that people have um, reported. Mm-hmm. So maybe this space has some sort of a, like, 
ghost magnetic quality or something, you know, like there's something about this space that's creating some sort of experiences for people. Maybe they're bringing them and projecting them. Maybe they're there. Who knows? But, you know, there's there's something that's going on there. But at the same time, there's not like one solid, super strong story that lots of people are supporting. It's more like like ghost activity. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's not clear evidence of whether Millicent was very there, but I'm still not convinced that that needs to have happened for her to haunt the place. So I'm not totally, I I don't think it's like worth writing off entirely, but I also don't think I would be like, yes, for sure. This place is haunted. I'm I'm on the same page. I would give it a solid B. It's a fun story. Mm -hmm. It's like beautiful and tragic. Yeah. Um, But the, the history is just not, like, just doesn't support it. And the rest of the haunting, like, a lot of the actual experiences people report have nothing to do with Millicent. Mm-hmm. And that, that bothers me a little bit. I like it when there's some continuity to my ghost stories. <laughs> no, but I mean, maybe, but that's the thing. Maybe the continuity is that the place attracts ghost stories. Maybe. That there's something about the place that. It's like a portal or something. Yeah. Like there's something about the space that's energetically, um, what's the word? It's like thin boundary, right? Maybe that's the grotesque. Maybe that's why the grotesque is. It like sort of opens up a portal Mm -hmm. a little bit. And it's big gaping mouth. That's scary. It's scary as fuck. I think I need to go. But I think, I mean, you know, a B from you and a B from me, I think it's a solid B, which Mm -hmm. is not a bad grade. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely not totally writing it off. No. I want to go experience it for myself. I think it's just hard to say with hearsay. Yeah, in some cases it is. I think there are some cases for this where... Case. For this case. For this case, for sure, yeah. Uh, if, if we'd had a little bit more to back up the story, it yeah. would be different. But yeah. right now, I'm, I'm sitting at a B. Um, okay, that's it for this week's story, this episode. Um, remember, we are now obviously haunted. We are now obviously haunted um but you can follow us on social media email us uh, check out the website at obviouslyhaunted.com for all our information and yeah uh make sure to subscribe rate and review and tell your friends if you like what we're doing so that everybody can hear these creepy ghost stories in the meantime Fairhaven, Massachusetts is obviously obviously haunted. haunted.